Our kids are officially out of school. Notice there were no cheers when I said that. I have a theory. We're going to test my theory. We're going to test my theory. I have two kids. I have one uh, going to be a fifth grader, one that's going to be a third grader. So my children are 10 and 8. And I am convinced that we all fall into one of three categories. One is we're excited that school is out. Our kids are home because we just got a three-month parole from Carline. So I'm in that camp, just so you guys know. I am in the I don't have to pack a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and I just got paroled from Carline camp. Then there's the second camp that's like, my kids are home from school. What are we going to do for the next three months? Is anybody in that camp? Yes. And then there's the camp that, what summer? I'm a grown-up. I work 12 months out of the year. <laughs> like, there's that camp. So whatever camp you're in tonight, we're glad you're here. I think God's got a good word for us, a powerful word. I've been praying about it. And I've been praying for each of you. Because I know that you don't come here by chance. I know that the Lord has drawn you here. Because no man come to the Father unless drawn by the Son. And I know that he's been working on your heart since you got up this morning. Before you even knew where your steps would take you, the Lord ordered your steps to bring you here. Because he has a word for you. So let's jump into it. It's going to be in Judges chapter 4. If you've got your Bible, turn to Judges chapter 4. And I'm going to be in the New King James Version, and it's Judges chapter 4, verse 4, and if you're taking notes, you can title your notes, A Tale of Two Women. Charles Dickens wrote a book years ago at the turn of the last century, A Tale of Two Cities, and so I'm kind of borrowing some literary license from him, and so my message tonight is A Tale of Two Women. So starting in verse 4, now Deborah a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. And she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. Then she sent and called for Barak, the son of Abunamah. I don't know if you pronounce that correctly, but we're going to go with it from Kadesh in Nephtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded, Go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor. Take with you 10,000 men and sons of Nephtali and the sons of Zebulun, and against you I will deploy Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army with his chariots and his multitude at the river Kishon, and I will deliver him into your hand. So now skip on down to verse 21, same chapter 21. Then Jael, Herber's wife, took a tent peg and a hammer in her hand and went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple. And it went down into the ground for he was fast asleep and weary. And so he died. And then as Barak pursued Sisera, Jael came out to meet him and said, come, I will show you the man who you seek. And when he came into her tent, there laid Sisera dead with a peg in his temple. So a tale of two women, Deborah, the one we read about first, and Jael, the one you read about second. Now chances are many of you are a little worried right now because uh, you didn't think the Bible was that violent and you don't want to meet Jael in a dark street corner because who knew, you know? But we're going to get into this and sink our teeth into it because we have two women here who are in two completely different stations in life. 
One is seated in the highest seat in the land. Her gift has made room for her, and she is judging the people of Israel. She is hearing the word of the Lord. And the other is Jael, who is living on the edge of the wilderness in a tent. She's not a part of God's people, but she's about as close to the enemy as she can get. We have two women in two totally different places in life. And I want to encourage you tonight that God is not bound by where you're sitting. He is not bound by your season. He is not bound by your past. He is not bound by your present. He is not bound by how much money you make. None of those things bind God. The only thing that limits God is your obedience. That is the only thing that limits God. How much will you obey him? And we're going to open up this word tonight, and we're going to see how two women, regardless of how they were seated, regardless of how much authority they had, because they were both obedient and submitted themselves to the spirit of the living God, they were both able to accomplish something that had plagued Israel for over 20 years. Are you guys ready to jump into that? All right, so we're going to unpack it. And it says in in Charles Dickens' book, it was the best of times. And here in Israel, it's the best of times. We have this mother in Israel. That's how Deborah describes herself. The wife of Lapidoth, this mother in Israel, and she is dispensing justice. Now, this is what's key. We just read that the people of God came to her for judgment. I want to encourage you that if you have a heart for ministry, if the Lord has placed gifts in you, which I know he has because he does this for every single person, he puts gifts in you, your gift will make room for you. Deborah did not go run for office. She did not go and seek to be appointed as judge, but her gifting, her obedience, her pursuit of God elevates her to this position of where her people nominate her, and they go to her for justice. I want to encourage you, there are men and women in this room that your gift is begging you to make room for it. Your gift wants to get out there. The Lord has given it to you. It's maybe something that you've had in your heart for 10 or 20 years, and I want to encourage you, you're in the right church. Because we believe that our job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That you will not know satisfaction. You will not know joy until that gift is operating inside of you. And so we've got this woman, a mother in Israel, who just as simply said, yes, I will do what you've told me to do and I will press into what God has for me. And she's dispensing justice. It's the best of times. We have another man named Barak. He's the general of Israel's army. And thank God for godly men. Thank God for men of courage who will say, follow me as I follow Christ. So it's the best of times in Israel. It's also the worst of times. There's this king. His name is Hazor. He's a Canaanite king. And he is pretty much plaguing the Israelites. He's harassing them. And his general is Sisera who we just read about. And these enemies, in Judges chapter 3, it says that the God left enemies in the land to test and prove Israel by. This is what I thought was so fascinating. Deborah's generation, let's say it's our generation, her grandparents walked through the Red Sea. They were a part of Moses and, and the children of Israel being led out of Egypt. Her parents marched around Jericho. She was probably a child and heard the stories around the campfire. Her generation in Judges chapter 3 says they did not know God by his powerful works or by his character. That is how quickly 
That is how quickly we can lose the fear of God in a generation. If one generation doesn't pass a legacy on to the next generation, that's how quickly it happens. And because there was a generation who did not know how to war, that's what Judges chapter 3 says, God left enemies in the land to test and prove Israel by. So it's the worst of times. And Hazor and Sisera have been left in Israel and they have been oppressing the Israelites for 20 years. Well, the thing that makes Sisera such a bad dude is he has 900 chariots of iron. And I don't care how fast a runner you are, you are never going to outrun a horse. It's never going to happen. And so it doesn't matter how strategic you are, how many maneuvers you practice, if the other guys got horses and chariots, the game's over, right? It's just, it's kind of like when the Texans play anybody other than the Cowboys. It's just... Over. Yeah, I pretty much offended the entire room when I said that. <laughs> it's just over. And so we have this, this last character, the one we read about, J.L., and her husband is Herber. Now here's the deal. Herber's name means ally. He has compromised, he has made a treaty with the enemies of God's people because he's a metal worker. And metal workers work on metal, and Jabin's got 900 chariots that need servicing. And so Jael's husband has moved apart from his people. He's moved apart from the people of God. And he has moved his family just about as close as you can get to the enemy without having to change their last name. And that's where Jael is. It's the worst of times. She is living in a season of compromise. She is isolated from the people of God. And she is betting her family's income on a man who is plaguing Israel. It is the best of times. It is the worst of times. So if you're taking notes, the first point here, I've got three, for a tale of two women, is that intimacy leads to influence. Intimacy leads to influence. Intimacy is the time you spend with the Lord the time that you callous your knees, the time that you purposely set apart a portion of your day to seek his face, to know his heart, to determine that you will not be a part of the generation that does not know God, either by his character or by his works, that as much as it depends on you, you will know him as a man knows a friend. Your intimacy with the living God is your influence. It is your reach into a situation. I have to admit to you guys, when I get into some, some troubled water, so to speak, if I get into a bit of a dicey place, my first instinct is to go to my intellect, it's to go to my contacts, it's to go to what can I do with my hands, how can I make this thing work out, what can I do to turn the knobs and the levers, but I'm here to tell you, if Pastor Duane will help me, when you take that approach, the influence you have over that situation is as far as your ability will allow it you to reach into that situation. But when you allow your intimacy with the Lord, when you allow your obedience, your desire to call out to him, when like Jeremiah 33.3 says, call to me and I will tell you things that you do not know. I know what I know, but I don't know what I don't know. Then all of a sudden your reach gets higher 
and further in that situation. Or you sit there and you say, Lord, examine my heart. The psalmist says in Psalm 117, he says, even at night, Lord, though you probe my heart and examine me at night, you will test me. You will find nothing in me because I have resolved that I will not sin, that my mouth will not sin. Well, now my motives are pure. And my reach got a little bit further and a little bit higher. And then the next scripture, it says, The Lord reached down and he put his hand on me. And he said, I have put my words in your mouth. Well, now I don't even have to worry about if I'm making the right decision because God himself has told me what to do, what to say, and who to talk to. Well, my reach just got a whole lot higher than my arm could go. And your intimacy with the Lord is exactly how far your reach and your influence will be in every situation. Amen? Amen. So that's where we're at. I'm going to leave this little guy right here. If anyone needs a best wishes balloon, feel free. Welcome to church. Thank you for coming. (laughs) So we sit here. I want to also mention that I said JL had compromised that her husband's name, Herber, meant ally. Tension occurs when light meets dark, when right meets wrong. Anytime you you feel yourself compromising, you've basically made peace with the enemy. The tension is absent, but it's who you've made peace with that creates a whole nother set of problems. Compromise is simply where you say, I'm going to make peace with this thing that offends my spirit and offends the spirit of God. And that's where J.L. and Herber are. So we sit here and we want to look at Deborah and we look at JL and we know Deborah is ministering before the Lord because good night he's talking to her she's summoning generals she's going to the battlefront for herself like we know Deborah's dialed in well now let's look a little bit at JL how do we know that she's also submitted to the word of God how do we know that she's submitted to the spirit of God and I want to submit to you that you know where JL is by her actions And a lot of times our actions will say exactly how close we are to the Father. Amen? Our words will say one thing. Our actions will tell the truth. And so J.L. is sitting there. And if you have your Bible, it's in chapter 4, verse 17. I'm going to read it. It says, this huge battle is happening right outside of J.L.'s tent. She can hear it. Iron chariots make a lot of noise. And she hears the clamoring. And all of a sudden, she opens her tent door and she sees this guy on foot. And it's Sisera. And in verse 17, it says, But Sisera fled on foot to the tent of Jael. Because her husband had made compromise, he had been in that tent before. He knew where to find that tent. This tent was a place of refuge for him. So the enemy is walking into Jael's tent and he thinks, You know what? I own this joint. I've been here before, but little does he know that woman is not the same woman he met two days ago. He's about to meet a whole new JL, right? So he walks in, the wife of Herber the Kenite's tent, because there was peace between Jabin the king of Hazor and the house of Herber the Kenite. And JL went out to meet Sisera, and she said to him, Turn aside to me, Lord. Have no fear. So he turned aside to her and went into her tent, and she covered him with a rug. So let me tell you what's happening. This lady, J.L., is so cool, calm, and collected. You may have dated a woman like this. 
There's ice and there's ice cold. <laughs> this woman has ice in her veins. Come aside, come aside to me. Oh, it's a bad battle. That's so, I'm so sorry. Come in here. I made a bed up. You look exhausted. Are you thirsty? She's clearly from the south. She's offering him something to eat. He said, can I have some water? She said, I can do better than that. I got some milk right here. Warm milk puts you right out. Let me tuck you in. Is that pillow fluffed enough? Now go sleep. Go sleep, little man. I'm going to be right over here. That is what JL is doing. She knows she has complete control. Her face is not betraying her. Her hands are not shaking. She knows exactly what she's doing. And I'm going to give you my second point. Influence, your intimacy with the Lord leads, is evidenced by peace. Your intimacy with the Lord is evidenced by peace. There is no way the general of the opposing army, your business associate with your husband, comes strutting into your tent, and you are that cool, calm, and collected apart from the empowering spirit of God. J.L. knew as soon as she saw that enemy how this thing was going to end. She knew exactly how this thing was going to be taken care of. So he comes into her tent, and she said, you've come in here many times before, but you're not leaving today. Today, something's different. Today, I have ended my relationship with compromise. Today, I am done with making treaties with you guys. I don't care that our income is tied to it. I know that the people of God are where I belong. And my loyalties, this is not a question of where my loyalties fall. At the end of the day, my loyalty always goes to the living God. You know, sometimes we overcomplicate it. We try to do the pros and the cons and, oh, what, what should I do in this situation? What should I do in that situation? At the end of the day, church, our loyalty belongs to one person, and that is Jesus Christ. So what does he want of me? That is what I will offer him. And so JL has spent how many years? How many years in this tent of compromise? But today is the day it ends. Today is the day. And so she tucks him in. Turn aside to me, my Lord. Turn aside to me. Here, get, it, get comfortable. The enemies of Israel have been plaguing them for 20 years. Deborah is literally on the battle lines, calling out orders, helping the general position his troops. Jael, the enemy's being brought into her tent. This is what I want to submit to you. Your fight will not look like your neighbor's fight. Deborah and Jael are fighting the same guy, but they are fighting him completely different. Deborah is being completely obedient. Jael is being completely obedient, and it looks nothing alike. I want to submit to you that when you are in your fight, the fight that God has for you, the psalmist says that he has trained your hands for battle and your fingers for war. How you fight, what you are called to do is what God has called you to do. And you can't look to your left and right to see if you're doing it right. You got to look up and in to make sure that you're fighting it right. If, if J.L. had argued like Deborah said, well, I got to do it like Deborah's doing it. Hey, Jabin, come here. I want you to sit right here, right here, Jabin. I've got, don't pay any attention to that tent peg. You don't need to worry about that. Just sit right here. You want something to drink? That's too bad. You should have brought a canteen. That's what Deborah's doing. Deborah's like, take the flank on the right. More chariots to the left. That's how Deborah is warring on the battlefront. J.L., is turning on the hospitality. Come, turn aside to me. Come have a seat here. 
Here's the thing, church. Our friends, our brothers and sisters in the Lord, we are all fighting a common enemy, but our fights will look nothing alike. And our tools will oftentimes not be similar, but our loyalty is to our God in heaven and to each other. Amen? We are all on the same team. We are all after the same bad dude. But the tools and the means by which the Lord tells you to fight and tells me to fight will be completely different. I am going to be the mom to the children God has given me. He didn't make any mistakes. I know they're mine. And you will be the mother to your children that they need to be. He does not make any mistakes. You will be the wife that God has called you to be, and I will be the wife he's called me to be. I will be the child of the living God he has called me to be, and you will be the child of the living God he has called you to be. And there is a purpose and an order and a peace to it because our intimacy with the Lord is keeping our step in cadence with each other. Amen? All right, so intimacy leads to influence. It leads to peace. So here's the deal. JL's loyalties are being tested, and she makes a critical decision. And that's how I know the Spirit of God is on her, because in her flesh would she have done that in a thousand years? In her flesh would she have known how to kill this guy, this general, this mighty man? No, she submitted herself to the living God, and he is enabling her, and he is strengthening her. I want to encourage you, right now there is a situation that the Holy Spirit is bringing to your mind, and you have no idea how you're going to fix it. You don't have any idea how you're going to lick it. And I want to encourage you that God does not usually call on the people who are already in the position to do something about their situation, but he always moves people to the position they need to be. And so if you're sitting here and you're like, I don't know how this is going to work out. I've got good news for you. All you need to do is press into the Lord and he will give you what you need in the moment that you need it step by step. Whether it is, how do, what am I going to say to this child? How do I explain this? Lord, how do you mend a relationship that has torn asunder in this many ways? You don't have to know how. You just need to know who. And lean into that tonight. So we're sitting here and we see evidence Intimacy is evidenced by peace. And the last part is that intimacy strengthens your hand. This is my third and final point. Intimacy strengthens your hand. J.L. had a tent pen and a hammer. She didn't know how to do much, but she was a Bedouin. And she knew how to put up tents. And it doesn't matter what is in her hand. What matters is that God is strengthening that hand. And so she sits there and he's asleep and all of a sudden you hear hammering. Now, I think it's interesting that you never hear of her husband again. And it makes me wonder a little bit. Like, you know, he finally found out what she did to Jabe, and it was like, yes, dear, yes, dear, yes, dear, you know? Her husband's never mentioned again. But the Lord comes behind her, and he strengthens her hand. And you look through the Bible, and it's like David had some stones and a slingshot, and the Lord strengthened his hand. Samson had nothing in his hands, and he was still able to tear the lion apart. It does not matter what is in your hand. What matters is who is strengthening those hands, who is making you strong, who is testing you for battle, who is preparing you for your next step. And I want to encourage you that the temptation is always to look to what we can grab. But I want to encourage you that the influence, the intimacy is always going to predate what you do next. It doesn't matter what's in your hand. What matters is where have you been on your knees? 
where have you been on your knees, church? That's what's going to prepare you for that next step where you don't see a tent pen and a hammer is just something you've done a hundred times, but you see a tent pen and a hammer and you realize this is the deliverance of Israel. I love that Barak, this general, is looking for Sisera because they know he's fled the battlefield, right? And Jael goes, come, I will show you the one you seek. She knew what she was doing that day. She knew exactly what she was doing that day. And Deborah hears about what's happened, and she starts to sing this song of praise because she knew, I know God is going to give us Sisera. I don't know how. I never pictured it being a tent peg and a hammer. But I knew the enemies of God are dust under his feet. I knew he had this from the beginning. And I want to encourage you, the, the thing that you are fighting, the thing that you are, is opposing you, you may not know how it's going to end up under your feet, but I want to encourage you, that's where it's going. Just hold on a little bit longer. Press in a little bit deeper. Lean your ear to hear his voice a little bit more. And I promise you, your life is going to have peace. Your life is going to have influence. You will have the reach you need. And ultimately, your hands are going to be exactly where they need to be and strengthened to be able to accomplish that thing. Why don't you stand with me, church? There's a verse in Nehemiah when I was preparing for tonight and I was praying for you guys. And the verse in Nehemiah, Nehemiah is building this wall and he's rebuilding the city of Jerusalem. And the naysayers are coming around him and they're saying, hey, your hands are going to get too weak. You are going to run out of steam. People are going to get out of here before you've even put enough brick around this thing. And Nehemiah says in Nehemiah 6, 9, they were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will be too weak for the work. It will not be completed. But listen to this, church. This is how Nehemiah prayed. He said, but I prayed, now strengthen my hands. I want to submit to you that there are going to be seasons where we hear that voice, you don't have enough steam, you don't have enough strength. You'll never get it done. This thing that you've been asking God for for 10 years, it's never going to happen. This thing that you've been giving to the Lord, it's never going to change. You're always going to be this way. You're always going to have this weakness in this area. You're always going to have this stumbling block. I want to tell you that when that voice comes to you, this is what you pray. Now, Lord, strengthen my hands. Lord, strengthen my hands. Lord, don't put anything in my hands. Just strengthen them, God so that I have what I need moment by moment and day by day. And the fight that I fight will be the fight you have for me and it'll be the way you want me to fight. Not the way I've seen other people fight, not the way I think I should fight, but God, it'll be the way I am supposed to fight because I am so tied to you, God. We are so close, God. I know exactly where I should be.